Okay, let's open in prayer. Our gracious God, we come and we desire to know you better and we desire to know how to pray. Uh, Your disciples were wise enough to ask you to teach them and so we ask the same thing. And as we delve into the Lord's Prayer a little bit more uh, this week, we ask that you would bless our time, that you would instruct us that this would not simply be uh, a time of sitting and listening, but engaging and processing and change. May we be more like Jesus, we ask in his name. Amen. Well, as we begin, let's recite together uh, Heidelberg Catechism 122. Uh, that will be, it's right at the top of the handout. I'll ask the question, and if we can all respond together with the answer. What is the first petition? Hallowed be thy name. That is, grant us first rightly to know you, and to hallow, magnify, and praise you in all your works, in which your power, goodness, justice, mercy, and truth shine forth, and further that we so order our whole life, our thoughts, words, and deeds, that your name may not be blasphemed, but honored and praised on our account. Okay. We're delving uh, a little bit deeper. We've, we've been on the Lord's Prayer the last couple weeks as we're continuing our study through the Heidelberg Catechism. Uh, first, we just asked, why do we pray? What is prayer and why do we pray? Uh, last week, uh, Pastor Brian uh, talked about why we address God as our Father. What does it mean that we are His children, and how does that affect prayer? And today, we're beginning to look at the petitions. So real quick, what is a petition? It's a request. It's a request. And so there's a number of requests, things we ask for in the prayer. And today, we're starting to look at the first petition. Now, before we jump into that, who knows what a topic sentence is? Uh, Mrs. Buma, teacher, what's a topic sentence? Okay, so it tells what the rest of the paragraph is going to be about. Introduces a subject, okay. And, and where does that typically go? First, okay. And, is it, and, and it tells where the rest of it's going to go. So it is related to the rest of the paragraph, right? Okay. So it usually goes up front, and, and it tells us, and it kind of, what happens if, if that topic sentence introduces something and the paragraph really has nothing to do with it? What does a teacher do, Mrs. Buma? Uh, teacher, <laughs> teacher says, let's try again. And then she goes to her desk and cries. Okay. That placement up front in a paragraph is important. It's important. Uh, it marks... Uh, it marks that sentence out as, as being unique and, and really in control of that paragraph, when, what follows. Now, as we start to look at the requests, the petitions of the Lord's Prayer, we're going to see that the first one is important. It, it's like that topic sentence. It's really guiding and controlling everything that follows. And so we want to ask what it means to pray that God's name would be hallowed. So that's what we're going to look at today. And, and really my hope is that at the end of this morning, you believe this. We'll see if we get there. That asking God to hallow his name 
is to seek his honor and glory above all else, including above ourselves, our own glory and honor. That's what we're asking. Okay. So as we jump in, let's talk first. What's the difference between pastor, the word pastor, and Brett? Like, sometimes I get called Pastor Brett. There's two words. What's the difference between those two? Mr. Charlie. Pastor's my first name, good. And Brett's last name. Brett's last name, okay. Yeah, it was really, really fun at seminary because, you know, I no. Anybody who is not a smart aleck, Mrs. Buma will see you after class. Mr. Protzman. <laughs> okay, which pastor is a title, and what did you say? Okay. An honored title, okay. What else? What What else is about pastor? Okay, defines what I do, right? It's my office, okay. Good. Steve, did you say something? Okay. Whereas Brett is my name, right? Good. Um, one's a title, and it, and it refers to office. It represents something I... I am or I do. Uh, The other is a name, and it's much more intimate. Um, It's unique to me, and it goes with me regardless of my office. It was was my name before I was a pastor, and if I should ever stop being a pastor, it would still be my name. Okay? Um, So is God a name? No. No. No, it's not. Um, Because of his uniqueness, we often use it similarly to a name because there's only one true God. But God itself isn't a name. What is it? It's a title of sorts? Good. It's a description, right? Absolutely. Um, There are other titles that God uh, um, has, right? What are some of the titles Jesus was referred to while he was on earth? Okay. Well, Emmanuel's a name. That's not a title. So that, but that's a good, that is. That's a good name. But what are some titles that Jesus was referred to by? Christ, which is Messiah. Right? Good. Teacher. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Rabbi. Teacher. Absolutely. What, Steve? Son of David. Good. That's a title. Absolutely. It would be a funny name. Uh, can you imagine somebody being called Davidson? Oh, wait. Uh, yeah. Uh, any other titles? Son of, man. Son of man. Master. Lord. Now, interesting with Lord is, is it could be a title, but is often used uh, as a substitute for a name. So that one gets a little tricky, but you're, you're right. It, by itself, truly speaking, Lord is a title. Um, mm-hmm. Son of Joseph, okay. Uh, right, but and, but that would be a name, typically. Yeah, absolutely, or um, and to a certain degree, a title. Okay, good. Any others? Ben, you stretching or just okay? What about names? What are some of the names that God has? Yahweh. Yahweh. Good. Others. Well, Adonai is actually Lord. Um, uh, 
It's the Hebrew for Lord. El Roy, okay, good, which means? One who sees. One who's, yeah, the God who sees, okay, good. I am is, is Yahweh, yeah, absolutely. It's, it's the Hebrew verb, I am, yeah, absolutely. Or I will be, <laughs> depending on what vowels you put in. Yeah, good. Jehovah Jireh, right, good. The Lord will provide. Other names? Elohim is, is God, or gods, actually. Uh, in, in the Hebrew, um, the plural was used to emphasize. And so they would use the plural of God uh, to say he's the great God. Um, so El uh, would be God, and Elohim would be gods. Good. Others? Uh, Almighty? Right? Prince of Peace, El Shaddai. Um, one of my favorites, Father of the Fatherless, Protector of the Widows. Say that again. Oh, good. Yeah, the Lord our righteousness. Now, historically, biblically, names meant something to tell you about the person who bears the name. <laughs> what does Jacob mean? Cheater which he was. And then he gets renamed Israel. What does Israel mean? Wrestles with God. Because he did, (laughs) right? Yeah, the name represents something. Um, What's the name Nathan mean? Gift. Yeah. Nathaniel means gift from God. Uh, And of course, wasn't the prophet Nathan a gift to David? who he comes and he, he confronts his sin and calls him to repentance. What a gift. Yeah. Um, so it is with God. His names reveal something about him. And that's why he has many names. He's called Jehovah Jireh because he indeed provides. When does he get called Jehovah Jireh? Yeah, yeah, when he provides a substitute for Isaac on Mount Moriah. Good. Uh, He's called Father of the Fatherless. Why? He adopts us. Isn't that what Pastor Brian talked about last week, right? Um, His name teaches us who he is. In Exodus 34, he teaches us what Yahweh is meant to convey. He says this, Moses rose early in the morning and went up to Mount Sinai, and as Yahweh had commanded him, and he took his, in his hand two tablets of stone. And it says this, Yahweh descended in the cloud and stood there with him and proclaimed the name of Yahweh. And this is what it means. Yahweh, Yahweh, a God, merciful and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and the fourth generation, but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. Um, This is what his name is meant to reveal. This is what it communicates to us. He's merciful He's gracious, and yet he is just. 
He forgives the repentant and he judges the wicked. This is why the Heidelberg Catechism connects hallowing his name with his power, his goodness, his justice, his mercy, and his truth, because that's what his name communicates. It communicates his attributes. It reveals to us who he is. His name represents who he is and further, what he does. How do the Ten Commandments begin? Before we even get to the first commandment, what does God say? Give you a hint. We hear this every Sunday, the preamble. Good. Yeah. I am Yahweh, your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. Right? How do you know who I am? Because of what I have done for you. I brought you out of slavery. I am the Redeemer. I am the Deliverer. I am the one who rescues you. Um, His actions reveal his character. He is the one who sets captives free. He redeems his people. And this is why the Heidelberg Catechism is careful to connect the the petition, the request about his name. Did you see what it says? To hallow and magnify and praise him in all his works. We can't praise his name without praising what he does because his character is revealed in both, his name and his works. He's called the father of the followers because he adopts the orphan. Right? He's called the husband of the widow because he takes her and cares for her. God's name is tied to his identity And that's why the Bible says it is his name that dwelt among the people. I love how Deuteronomy 12 describes the temple. It's the house in which his name dwells. Why do you think it says it that way? Why is it his name dwells there? Why doesn't God just say the the, the house in which I dwell? Okay. Okay. Okay, so, so Dave says that part of it is the fact that this, as, as Solomon rightly said, this house can't contain God. He's much bigger than it. But by putting his name there, it's a representative that he, it, it, it's showing that God is with his people. Good. John. Okay. Uh-huh. Okay. Good. Uh huh. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Identification with. There's there's Shojen I watching call our, our town hometown hometown. It's a renovation show, and it's in the small town in the south. And every house they begin with is known by the family who built the house or who lived there the longest. And so uh, 
they refer to it as, you know, the Johnson house or the Smith house. But at the end of the show, the wife always hands the, the, new, the new owners a, a, the, a picture she's painted of the house and says, but now it's the Buma house. And it's now, it's now you are, are the ones who now define this house. Um, it's, it now belongs to you. Right. Good. That's, that's good. Steve. Good. Yeah, the house. Good. The house should be defined by 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 the God whose name it bears, right? His character should be controlling what goes on in this temple, right? But also, God's invisible. You can't see God. Uh, you can see his word, you can see his actions and what he does. And, so, and, and, and he reveals himself in his name. And so by saying uh, his name will dwell there, says that he will reveal himself there. He will, he will manifest his presence at that house. It, it, his, his presence will be known there. Um, He will care for them in a way that he cares for no other nation. This house will show that they are unique. And by putting his name among his people, he's committing himself to them as their God. He's among them. He's united to them. They are his and he is theirs. And that's a unique privilege and it's a gift. And of he who is given much, what? Much is expected, much is required. Isn't that what the third commandment is about? Uh, you know, we, we love, we've, we've talked about this, but we love to say, you know, look at all those non-Christians, huh? how they take the, Lord, uh, the na- Lord's name in vain. And, and, and they certainly do to a certain degree. They bear his name as his image bearers. But Christians take God's name to themselves in a unique way as his bride, as his children, we take God's name upon us and we are known by his name. And if we take it and it makes no difference in our lives, we take it in vanity. We take it in emptiness. And God says, no, those who take my name, it must change how they live, how they act, what they do. Possessing God means, possessing God's name means possessing him. And that has to mean something. It has to affect your life and your reality. Otherwise, it's empty. It's nothing. How we respond to his name is incredibly important. And really, there's only two possible ways to respond to God's name. What do you think they are? There's two kinds of people in this room right now. Those who are not sure and those who are looking down at their bulletin and saying, if I actually just, or if I just quote what I see there, am I cheating? No, you're not cheating. What are the two ways? Yeah, to blaspheme it or to hallow it. Good. Um, the Heidelberg Catechism ends by saying, in order that your name, God, might not be blasphemed. What's blasphemy? Hmm? Taking his name in vain would be an example. Absolutely. Speaking evil. Good. Um, to make that which is holy common, good. 
What do all of these have all of these answers have in common? <laughs> yeah. Read it? Good. Okay. It doesn't they don't use his name in a way that fits with his character. Uh, uh, to blaspheme is to speak or act offensively toward or about God. To speak or act offensively toward or about God. Okay? So, in a sense, it's to cast off his authority. It's not to submit. It's to, to assault God. Um, now, that could be an outright attack, right? Do people outrightly attack God sometimes? Yeah. They shake their fists. They say, I hate God. They, they uh, uh, have anger. They make threats. They deny him. Okay? Um, but it doesn't have to be outright and obvious. What are some less obvious ways or examples of speaking or acting offensively toward or about God? Okay. Okay. Right? It could be by oppressing the people who are called by God's name, right? So what does Jesus say to, to Paul, Saul of Tarsus, on the road to Damascus? Why are you persecuting me? And he's like, wait, wait, I'm just doing it to the people who are called by your name, right? Yeah, so an assault on God's people is an assault on, on the God whose name they bear. Absolutely, that's great, John. That, it's a less obvious way, but that is true, okay? What else? And, you, and, and any dad knows this, right? You pick on my kids, you, you, pick, you pick on a fight with me, right? Absolutely. God says the same thing. Okay, what, are, what else? How else can we attack God? Uh, less obviously. Mom? Good, by being indifferent. I don't hate God. I'm just like, whatever, right? Oh, and God's like, yay. no. Uh, that's offensive. That's blasphemy. Indifference towards one to whom honor is due is blasphemy. Absolutely. Uh, Sean? Good. Lies about God are blasphemous. And that can happen in, in different ways, right? It could be denying things about God that are true, right? Uh, he's not loving uh, he's not kind, right? This is why the Heidelberg Catechism says that part of hallowing God's name is that we ask God to grant that we might rightly know him. Right? You can't, if his name reveals who he is, you can't honor his name without knowing who he is. Right? Uh, uh, another, another lie is attributing to others what are acts of God. Um, Jesus specifically called something blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. Who remembers what it is? Charlie? Yes. Yeah. Jesus cast out demons. And they're saying, well, you did that by the power of Satan. Jesus, you're attributing the delivering work of God to Satan? That's blasphemy. You're giving Satan credit for God's work? Blasphemy. Good. Uh, 
hypocrisy. I think that's already been mentioned. Uh, taking his, his name with, uh, to you with little or no change of life. Um, saying you're a child of God and living in rebellion is blasphemous. Uh, another blasphemous uh, treatment of God's name is trying to manipulate God for your glory. How do we try to manipulate God? Sure. Yeah, but politicians are easy to pick on. Let's pick on ourselves. What are some ways we try to manipulate God? Brian, Pastor Brian. Bargaining. Absolutely. I'll give you this in exchange for you giving me what I want. Good. I saw a hand. Was it you, Charlie? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good. Um, ceremonies, right? I, I got baptized, or I did this, therefore God owes me, right? Or some other, I went on a missions trip, or I did, you know. Um, I'll obey if God gives me this, right? Um, or uh, how about naming and claiming, right? I'm going to sprinkle Jesus' name, over my wishes and think that it's like an incantation. I said his name. He can't say no, right? (laughs) The absurdity of it. Um, Yeah, there's lots of ways we try to manipulate God. Um, Trying to subordinate God to your will, trying to control him, trying to rule over him, is that hallowing or blaspheming his name? That's blaspheming, right? Simply put, anything done in arrogance and not reverent fear of God is blasphemy against his name. So what's the opposite of blasphemy? Hallowing. What does hallowing mean? Good, honoring, to treat it as holy. Good. Um, Hallow comes from the word holy. So the Heidelberg Catechism says that when we pray, this is what we want. God's name to be honored and praised on our account. That that our lives, our words, our actions, our thoughts, cause God's name to be praised and revered. It means a high regard for the God who bears the name. It means fear, reverence. Reverent fear. It means humility, not thinking more highly of ourselves than we ought. It means love for him and for those who bear his image. It means gratitude. It means humble appreciation for all his gifts. It means defending God's honor. And it means calling others to peace with him. And so hallowing God's name means, as the Heidelberg Catechism says, that we so order our entire lives, our whole lives, our thoughts, our words, and our deeds in a way that brings him glory. Because anytime we don't do that, we're, we're attacking him and his name. It means living in a way that's consistent with what his name reveals about who he is. It means living for his glory and not our own. And that includes obeying his command. But in the, in the last few minutes, 
um, we want to talk about why this is a request, why this is part of our prayer. Why? Because in prayer, what are we doing? We're learning. Good. We're learning what's important to God that it might translate what's important to us. Good. What else? Good. Okay. One thing about the Lord's Prayer, like over the years, it's almost like a priority list in life. I think, you know, look at the Lord's Prayer and say our priorities should line up with the Lord's Prayer. The, the first priority, the greatest thing is that God save his honor. Good. His kingdom comes, his will is done. You know, that's, I think, ideally where what, what should be most important to us is also a checklist of the priorities. Fantastic. Yeah, we're learning. We're reorienting our priorities. What else? This is good. What else are we doing in prayer? Charlie? Submitting. Submitting. Surrendering. Good. Don't be afraid to say the obvious thing, too. This is a petition. What is a petition? A request. We're asking God to do something, right? When we say, hallowed be thy name, we're not saying, Lord, we will hallow your name. We're asking God to make sure his name is hallowed. Hmm. We're actually asking God to do something. Isn't that interesting? It's easy to get caught up and think that this is all about what we need to do, but we would be missing something major. It has effects for what we do, but we'd be missing something major here. Why do you think Jesus taught us to ask that God would make sure his name is hallowed. Say that another way. That's a very kind way to say, do you have the power to make God's name hallowed? No. If God depended upon us for his name to receive the honor it's due, that would not be a good plan. Right? We're dependent upon him to see his name hallowed. It's, it's a good thing, but it's not something we can do. We need God. And we have confidence that God will um, do this. Uh, let me just read you a section from Ezekiel 36. This is how, God's, how seriously God takes his name. Okay? God says, son of man. Uh, this isn't, he's not talking to Jesus. Who's son of man in Ezekiel? Ezekiel. Yeah, that's what God calls Ezekiel. So he's basically saying, Ezekiel, when the house of Israel lived in their own land, they defiled it by their ways and their deeds. So I poured out my wrath upon them for the blood that they had shed in the land, for the idols which they had, they had defiled it. I scattered them among the nations, and they were dispersed through the countries. But when they came to the nations, wherever they came, they profaned my holy name. In that the people said of them, these are the people of the Lord, and yet they had to go out from his land. God couldn't even keep his people in his land. God sends them out, and yet people are attacking God's honor because of that. 
Why did God send them out? Disobedience because they had profaned his land and therefore him. He says, but I had concern for my holy name in which the house of Israel had profaned among the nations to which they come. So their, their actions, their words, and their behavior brought shame on God's name, so he disciplined them. He sent them out. For the sake of his name, he, he cast them out of his land. God guards the honor of his name. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And, and we have to realize that there's, there's something scary about this because part of God hallowing his name is disciplining his children when they bring shame upon his name. It's kind of a scary prayer, isn't it? Absolutely. He has to give us that desire because it's scary to our pride any other way. But the passage doesn't end there. It goes on to say, Therefore, thus says the God, I'm sorry, therefore say to the house of Israel, Thus says the Lord God, It is not for your sake, O house of Israel, that I'm about to act, but for the sake of my holy name, which you have profaned among the nations to which you came. And I will vindicate the holiness of my great name, which has been profaned among the nations, in which you have profaned among them. And the nations will know that I am the Lord, declares the Lord God, when through you I vindicate my holiness before their eyes. What he's talking about here is his plan to actually bring them back to the land. Why does he say he's going to do that? Because they deserve it? For the honor of his name. To show that he rescues his people. To show that he cares for them. He casts them off to guard his honor and he'll bring them back to guard his honor. And John? Moses used that a couple of times in his plea, um, especially about Mount Sinai. Mm-hmm. The Lord not destroy the people. And he said, the world is watching. Yeah. Think about, think about both. The power of God's name in Moses' ministry, right? Moses did. He interceded, and John just brought this up. You brought them out of Egypt. If you kill them now, what will everyone think of you? Right? And God says, you're right. I will show them mercy. Why didn't Moses enter the promised land? He failed to hallow God's name. God says, speak to the rock the second time. First time, strike it. Second time, speak. And Moses says, no, I'm going to hit it. (laughs) Because I'm really, quite frankly, not very happy with you. And God says... That's not what I told you to do. Because you did not treat me as holy, you will not enter the land. Um, God does all he does for his glory, and that's both terrifying and comforting. It tells us that God is just and he punishes sin, but it it tells us that he can't be manipulated, he can't be controlled. But it also tells us that he will show kindness to us even when we fail for his own name's sake. Those who belong to him, those whom he's promised to save, find comfort in him because he always keeps his promises because of his honor. And he won't allow his honor, his reputation to be damaged. A few matters to hit before we're done. First, 
Whose name are we praying to be hallowed? The Father's, the Son's, or the Holy Spirit's? Rex says all. Any other challenges? <laughs> you don't get to challenge yourself, Rex. That's not fair. <laughs> I'm going to give two answers. That way I'm right. Uh, no, that's fair. The, the temptation is to think that it's just the Father. Why? Right, because we just said, our Father who are in heaven, how would be your name? Right, And, and that, that's reasonable, of course. But are there, is there any biblical reason to say that the Bible would not limit it to the Father's name? What? Three persons, one God. Good. What else did I hear? Okay, the Great Commission says what? Good. The, the, the triune God has one name. The, baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Good. See, they share a name. Good. Um, there's this book called Philippians. Anybody ever heard of that? Pastor Brian, you should preach on it. Uh, Pastor Brian has taken us through. What do we see in chapter 2? Jesus has been given the name above every name that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow and every tongue confess in heaven and on earth that he is Lord, he is Yahweh. Okay? Um, when we hallow God's name, we're, ha- we're hallowing the name of the triune God. It's one glory. Jesus, I and the Father are one. And so yes, the Lord's Prayer specifically calls us to address the Father, and, and, but we don't want to say that we're only concerned with the honor and glory of the name of the Father. They share a name, the triune God. Equal in power and glory. And, and it's just, we just want to think about that, um, that, that this isn't simply related um, to one member of the Trinity. Um, one final thought. Why is this the first petition? Why do you think? Priority. Priority. Good. I started talking, I started by talking about topic sentences, right? Do you think there's any significance to the order that Jesus teaches us to pray? You can tie all the other petitions into that one. What does that mean, Mrs. Buma? Absolutely. What it, what it's telling us is that everything we ask for must ultimately be for the glory and honor of God, and any prayer we pray that goes against that misses the whole idea of prayer. The control, this, is, this controls all other petitions, that everything we ask for needs to be for his glory. We don't get to ask for God's glory above all else and then move into our glory above his. Mrs. Buma would say, let's start over. <laughs> Try again. Yeah, Charlie? Yeah. Unless you do the following petitions, Lord, in that you are working to hallow your 
Right. If these aren't for your glory, they're worthless. They're dust. The ashes. Wood, hay, and straw, right? Stubble. Good. Um, the first petition is very much related to the first and great commandment, to love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind and strength, that your life is oriented towards his glory. Our prayers must be oriented towards his glory, and that's why our prayers ought to begin by seeking God's glory, his honor. Uh, he is to be first in everything. All we say and do and think should be for his glory, including our prayer. And so that, that controls our prayers. Um, if we're honest with ourselves, some, one of the scariest things to do, a lot of our prayers are for our glory and not God's. Uh, I've been preparing this this week. Who, um, and I, I, know, I was talking to Pastor Brian yesterday on the way home from session. I've been preparing this week and just mindful about how much my prayers are about my glory, my desires, and not really about God's glory. It was very humbling, very hard, in a good way. Um, uh, I'm sure I will forget too far too quickly and have to be reminded. Um, But it's good. (laughs) If we learn to pray this petition, really and truly learn to pray it, we are asking that God would be exalted above all others throughout the entire world. We're asking him to make us more like him and to stop bringing shame and dishonor to his name. We're we're asking that for his name's sake, a day would come when he would set all things right. Everything that challenges the honor of his name would be answered. That's what we're asking when we ask his name to be, for God to hallow his name. Great place to really set the tone uh, for our study on, on prayer. Um, before I ask any questions, just a little bit direction from where we're going from here. The next two weeks, no Sunday school. Uh, we always take uh, the last two Sunday or the two Sundays closest to Christmas and New Year's off. Of, of, there's a lot going on, uh, family and stuff like that. So we're going to take the next two Sundays off. The plan, uh, and I, always, I say it that way because... Uh, we're contingent upon the army, which is just terrible. But the plan is for Pastor Roberts, Stephen Roberts, to start a Sunday school series January 5th. Um, he's, he's going to kind of try to pick up on what he did last year. Last year we talked about some of the principles of engaging our non-Christian friends around us. This year he wants to spend some time with some more practical, this is what conversations can look like. This is things to do in different situations. And it should be really fun uh, and encouraging. Um, that's, he, he wants to do five to seven uh, 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 Sundays uh, through January and February, depending on uh, his availability, which, again, based upon the Army, uh, is contingent, uh, can, can be messed around. So Pastor Brian and I can fill in a little bit with the Heidelberg Catechism if he's gone. We also want to invite uh, a couple guest speakers uh, to talk about the work of the Gideons and also... Um, uh, the work of uh, Sacred Road, which is a, a mission to the Yakima Reservation uh, through the PCA, and it's really doing some wonderful things. And so we want to talk about that. Uh, and then uh, into the spring, Pastor Brian uh, has a series in mind that he's working on, and then we'll end the year with, uh, with Gary Brown finishing up his series on the Bible. So that's, that's kind of where we're headed from here. 
Uh, any questions, comments before I close in prayer? Great. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we ask, we plead that you would hallow your name. That you would do all things for your glory. And that you would change our hearts and our minds to desire that above all all our comforts, all our wants, all our petty desires, that you would teach us to desire your glory above all else. Forgive us when we fail. And for your name's sake, draw us again to you. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen.